Good morning, and as we go ahead and pass along some of our festive vibes and cheerful energy to each and every one of you listening out there in podcast land today, I am reminding myself that I need to worry less about who is following me and more about where I'm going. Now let's go rock and roll this day. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. Look at us, we're making a Friday today. It's a freaky Friday on a Thursday night. Two episodes this week, episode 122 on our quest to get five done in the month of July. <laughs> I like how we've reset our expectations. It's five in a month. Well, instead of five I mean, in a- you know, we do got to take some breaks, yeah. but at the same time, we got to put up the interviews still from yeah. some of the past, because otherwise, I mean, we're, you know, we're a month removed from the Permian Basin. I was going to say, and you still got probably what five or ten of those well we're going to be putting up the texas railroad commissioner one in isolation that's the thing we're putting up in isolation right because i haven't gotten to a lot of them it's just we've we've been so busy we got new interviews in fact we got a new interview later this hour with robert bryce the filmmaker the author of six books he just got done testifying in front of congress last week you are going to enjoy this, by the way. Ooh. Are we recording? Good. Testified so, in front of Congress. Yeah. Well, that's not, you know, I mean, we got all kinds of people that do that. But uh, Robert Bryce, I have to, I'm trying to bring up his testimony because it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. It was really against EV vehicles. And so we get into a long discussion about EV vehicles. Uh, by long, I mean, you know, somewhat long because he's a very busy man. He's got... Uh, Wall Street Journal that interviews him, and who else? Uh, Fox and NBC, CNBC, all the big guys. He's an American author and journalist. Are you looking him up? Yeah, Austin Robert Tex- Bryce. Yeah, yeah he's Robert a speaker. Bryce. Yeah, out of Austin, Texas. Yep. That's right. Uh, he, he's very knowledgeable to where um, sometimes I, I feel so intimidated after I'm done because you know how I, I I'm kind of loose and. I kind of play that journalist game sometimes where I, I say <laughs> 90% right, so they got to correct me. Right. You know how I get them? That's how I get them. You say like 90% of it being right. Well, you see if they're going to catch you. Well, then they're going to call you. Then they think they're in control. Oh, <laughs> oh so that's a tactic. Well, probably not as easy with this guy. He's older than you. He's been doing this for a while. Oh, no. He's flat out just smarter than <laughs> me by a mile. Um, no, he's a, he's a very smart man. So it looks man. like he gave testimony recently at the House Energy Subcommittee. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For the use of e-bikes, e-scooters, and e-skateboards. And... What, I'm, what I wanted to pull up from his white paper, which is available at robertbryce.com, and we'll have a link at our website as well. In 1901, the Los Angeles Times declared the electronic automobile will quickly and easily take precedent over all other types of motor vehicles. If the claims which Mr. Edison make for the new battery, not to be overstated, there is not much doubt that this will make a fortune for somebody someday. Ha. So that was in 1901. They were talking about how the electric automobile 
will quickly take over the rest of the automobiles. Yeah. 1911, the New York Times, okay? First we said Los Angeles Times. New York Times said that the electric car has long been recognized as the ideal solution because it was cleaner and quieter and much more economical. 1915, the Washington Post reported that prices on electric cars will continue to drop oh, until geez. they're within the reach. What were they, of like the six million back America. then? <laughs> and the average computer will be as big as four houses. Yeah, you'll be able to and, fit this in a room. And it'll have tubes that you can sleep in, right? All I know is that your most baseline Tesla is about what somebody might earn in a year. Well, first of all, your baseline Tesla without subsidies is over $100,000. Right, without... So let's yep. just say that first and foremost, mm -hmm. right out of the gate. Now, with the subsidies to Tesla, with the subsidies to the local municipality... Yeah, some states with, give you benefits from with it. Yeah. The, well, on the back end, they do to the yep. consumer. Yep. With the subsidies that go to the automobile dealer to take the Tesla. So you're talking about subsidies around... In order to get this thing down to sixty, seventy thousand, and that's what you're talking yeah. about, is yeah. that and the average person probably makes about fifty to seventy thousand now, and that's what you're seeing the Teslas come in at. Yeah, and that's I mean that's staggering, and that's at half price. Yeah, with subsidies. So anyway, Robert Bryce does a great job of going all the way back to 1901 and getting in front of the uh, subcommittee. I think Hoven's on that committee or Kramer. I think and, it might be Hoven. I'm reading it right now, actually. I'm going through his okay. written testimony. The, well, the, Hoven's on the Subcommittee of Energy, yes. Yeah. Yes. And Kramer's on another one, but it's a different name. Different subcommittee. Because it has a different, like, transportations and Kramer's. And oh, I think, okay. I think yeah. Hoven's is agriculture, but they both have energy. I swear and, to God, those guys up there, Democrat, Republican, they're like Pokemon, right? They're like, ooh, what committee can I get next? Right. Got to catch them all. Got to catch them all. <laughs> well, it's a resume builder. It is definitely. It's no different than yeah. a nonprofit. Uh, it's a prestigious. Well, you think about too. it. There's 500 and what, 20 members of the House. How many of them do you actually see on a regular basis? Like a dozen, right? The rest of them are nobodies as far as we know. They got such low self-esteem. They don't want to. They don't want to leave their house. You have to have low self-esteem and a high level of narcissism, I think, to be a politician, to want to be a politician. I agree. It needs to be that kind of combination, yeah. doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. Hate yourself, but love yourself type of stuff. So we've got all kinds of stuff to talk about. You know, we didn't even, by the way, that's a little preview for the Robert Bryce interview that'll be in the second half of the work hard portion of the play hard, work hard show which you're listening to right now boy we're just all over the board here on this friday morning <laughs> and dropping we are up, airport drop off this morning huh 4 a.m yeah, 4 a.m yep taking a what do you call it a an underage child putting them on a plane you know it was easier in my day you stuffed them in a box you poked a couple of holes you put abu dhabi on it and you put it outside <laughs> And you're not even kidding. You're actually t talking the truth about when you grew up in Saudi Arabia and Dahran. I never mailed my brother successfully. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, uh, Sterling just got back from the airport. Uh, had to do a um, um, unattended flight. She's unattended she's, minor. Yeah, so you got to be there alone. Yeah, two hours before the flight takes off. You're there until the plane takes off. So See, I was now, there for when, four hours. When Lori's uh, Otis, Lori's mother, uh -huh. when she lived in Vegas full time, and Otis would go there for Christmas. Yeah, uh, they wouldn't allow the unattended at that time. Really, it was so still close to nine eleven still, and and other right. things were. It was. Well, it was it was well after nine eleven, but still, 
it was, you know, it was in the 2010s, I suppose, and 11s and 12s and 13s. But yeah, that seems like so, yesterday. Well, it was like 10 years ago, 10, 10, you know, eight years ago. It's not that long ago, but it varies uh, by airline. Yeah, some it, won't do it. Some will do it. Some have different restrictions. Well, the Fargo International Airport. I think that's cute. They have two. They've got Allegiant and American. Yeah. A, what, Four gates, man. We love it. Uh, Northwest. <laughs> who, are, who are they now? Oh, God. United, Yeah, maybe? I think they got bought up by Delta or United. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, we have two and a half airlines at the Fargo International Remember TWA Airport. and Pan Am? I remember those. I remember I remember reading about those in history class. Oh, my God. I'm not that old, jackass. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> they had propellers and everything. <laughs> right. And Howard Hughes and I were having coffee. <laughs> oh, it's Amelia Earhart, everyone. Hey, look at that. Oh, she, look at those gams. <laughs> Anywho, uh, no, the Fargo International. National Airport, what do we have? We have two major airlines yep. and then half because Allegiant, which goes to uh, Vegas and back right. twice a week. Right. Just a shuttle run, basically. We've got to compete with the uh, Native American casinos. Yeah, man. So they have a direct flight to Vegas and back. I'm kind of week. tempted. We should do that. Take a well, red eye, go down to Vegas for the day. That was back. the one that uh, uh, Otis would go on. And mm-hmm. so Lori would actually have to fly here. To get him, no, oh, jeez, and then fly. So she'd have to buy three plane yeah. tickets in order oh, to do man. that. Yeah, in, in order to do yeah. all that accommodation. That's why this morning your airport pickup. I'm like, come on, they don't allow that, oh, dude. Oh, you had to have birth certificate. You know, then you had to pay for the bag. Then there was a fee for them watching out for the kid. Dude, when I used to fly oh, back, oh, they just charge a fee now. Yeah, they charge a fee. That's how yeah. they do it. Okay. When I used to fly back to Saudi Arabia, uh, I was 15 the first time I flew back by myself from. New York, JFK Airport. Mm-hmm. I think I went through Holland or England, and then from there directly to Saudi. But you know, just a kid with a passport, man, wandering through foreign lands. Would they search your bags when? When you were a kid? Oh yeah. Okay, because that, that's what I wondered. Like yeah. to me, if if I'm working TSA security, I'm extra searching that kid's. Uh-huh. Not because of the kid. Because of somebody using him as well, the drug mule. the last time I flew internationally was before 9-11. So it has totally changed since then. But You yeah. know, in my past publishing life, back, you remember newspapers? Yeah. Yeah. Those flimsy <laughs> things you held in your hand? That's actually what I did the other day. That stuff you used to light barbecue fires? Somebody handed me a paper in, meeting, in a meeting the other day, and I go, oh, how retro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to act it's like quaint. I'm, I'm starting to act like I'm the cool young yeah, one. You're the, you know you're, I mean? you're the hip kid now. All right, Grandpa. Right, exactly. <laughs> Who invited the narc? Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> you know, Fourth uh, of July. We should probably get back at the show yeah, here. Yeah, man. Fourth uh, of July. We didn't even talk we about. We didn't even mention it. The yesterday. success of the uh, the industrial forest made a splash, folks. The industrial forest not only literally splash. Did we just? rocket with the new products that the industrial forest is offering which we're not going to even share with you here on the radio because you got to come to the industrial forest studios in order to check this out little trick i learned okay get them in the door right well what we're doing right now is is we got a tease okay for our industrial forest products that sold like hotcakes Spoiler alert, they're not hotcakes. No, but I would have those would have done well there too. Not even flapjacks. No, man, we what? actually the hotcakes on a 95 degree day, we could have we, we could have made so many of them on the asphalt. Oh, geez. Well, I'll tell you, right out of the gate, you had that woman and her son spent like 30 bucks. Oh, boom. I know. You know, just and, boom. 
There they was love yeah. the mission behind the industrial force. Yeah, that one In woman fact, just wanted to donate money. Folks, I, that's what I was just going to bring up. Folks, here is what we've been able to do at The Crude Life. And this is, and spoiler alert, I'm going to swear. This is no shit. And Sterling saw it with his I own was there, eyes. Both eyes. eyes. We actually had in Blue, Minnesota. And by the way, folks, Earhart, Minnesota, population 120. Right? Was it 140? So. Something like that, yeah. But that town was we'll packed, round it up. man. We'll round it up. 150. Okay, so 200. We'll round it up, right? <laughs> no, actually, I, I found out the skinny. It's, a, it's an elderly, aging population. Yeah. And so when, when, when one of the residents checks out for the final time, <laughs> um, apparently the new inheritance of the land... Mm-hmm. Just put up a for sale sign usually, and and, and <laughs> cash out on Grandpa's a hundred and dude, I've driven beautiful acres. I've driven through Earhart a million times, and it's like a ghost town. But on the fourth, I was st- I had to park like two miles outside of town well, like and 10, walk in. People, it yeah. was just a mass of people. Well, and you've got people from Minneapolis, you yeah. got people from Winnipeg, you mm-hmm. got people from Fargo, Sioux Falls, Wisconsin, yep. Iowa, all the way around. Okay, that's the norm. I saw an Alaskan plate on a car when we were there. Oh, we had Alaskan too? We had somebody from Alaska. (laughs) That's the cool thing about down here around the fort too, is that these little towns, you get the parades, you get the fireworks shows, you get the barbecue, you get the festivals. We're looking at the East. But uh, not not only do you get... County uh, fairs. Do do you get tourists? They're kind of like residential tourists Mm -hmm. because they have lake cabins, half million dollar lake cabins. So getting back to what the crude life's been able to do, the industrial forest... This is no kidding. We, we had the crude life booth set up, and the industrial forest was secondary, okay? So it was industrial forest studios, but we, you know, we had the, the crude life was, was where, where, what, what the logos were, yep. okay, except on the product that had the industrial forest. We actually had somebody want to donate money to the crude life for our cause, well, yeah, you were going into your spiel because of our the support for the industrial force. Exactly. Yeah. 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 She wasn't really like she ended up buying products because we were like, well, we don't really have a mechanism for you just to donate, you know. But, right. But here you can buy yeah. these, these industrial forest products, which go to help the forest. Yeah. And boom, all of a sudden, there we go. And wow. I was I was surprised, man. I, mean, I didn't know what kind of reception we were going to get in a little small town like I that. I don't even but think it was, we were fully set up yet. No. No, we were still putting stuff on the table. <laughs> so, folks, we made a splash. And you got pictures up, right? Oh, yes, we've got okay, all kinds great. of photos. Here's how we made a splash. We went through the parade. Johnny Green showed up with the Earth Championship belt, and he rode shotgun. No, no, I don't. I don't know what king you of call the hill. that. It's yeah, it, it's King of the if Hill. You've ever right? seen Teen Wolf? <laughs> he rode Teen Wolf. <laughs> I wish I knew the guy's name from Teen Wolf, Michael J. Fox's character. Yeah. By the way. Anybody who's ever seen Teen Wolf, I always marvel at how when they all jump on Michael J. Fox and he's a normal, you know, just scrawny, millhouse Caucasian, right? And then he comes out as a wolf. Yeah. How is it that nobody shoots him? How is it nobody runs out of the They keep playing the game. They keep playing the game, man. It's it's a wolf. Gotta love the 80s. How is it? Nobody's saying, <laughs> how is that wolf yeah. dribbling? How <laughs> or, does that wolf know the rules? I mean, we've got game? a problem with, with uh, different gender identifications playing sports. Where does the wolf man fall into that? Is that really fair to Boy, allow a wolf even, man never to play with human kids? Honestly. My son Otis went to school with a girl that identified as 88 different genders. 
I did okay. Yeah, it was one, and that's when I was like, say, what is one like a donkey? Is one like a wolf? Was, wouldn't it still be a male or I'm just female? Throwing out different things. Yeah, I didn't get all that, but uh, hey, whatever, so whatever floats your boat. We rolled Teen Wolf by we Johnny Green rolled Teen Wolf on top of a giant plastic water. It was, it was. It was basically. It was a giant water tank. Tank. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, tank. it's a farmer's water tank, and he's standing on top of this thing. It's a hundred degrees out. It's wet. He's got nothing to hold on to. <laughs> no, he's I... holding the belt out, throwing the metal. You know, the forked. The oh no, it was the hang loose. The hang loose. I, I, Johnny Green yeah. does the hang loose. He's, not, he's doing the hang loose. I. Come on, Johnny Green <laughs> does the hang loose. And uh... I was I was impressed both that you didn't fall off and that you got a great reception. Of course, you're riding on the best truck in the parade. They're making people get wet. And well, it was hot. and we had a, a diesel generator yeah. going to uh, power the spray. The, the spray coming right. from the tank. Boy, the kids. It was better than candy. Better than candy. Oh, man. And not only the cops took off his hat. He wanted yep. to get sprayed. <laughs> I thought sprayed. they were going to say, get down, kid. <laughs> no, they're waving, man. We were, we were, we even bought the cops off with, yep. with recycled water. <laughs> they, see, they were so green, too. That was a great parade. That, that was, was one awesome. of the better parades I've been to a long time. I love how when the small towns just let you just. Well, just show up and be you. part of it and they, be part of the community. But they trust you enough to know that it, it, you're going to police yourself. Yeah. You know, I mean, things are going to be okay if, as long as, you know, you just saw a very successful crude life event at Earhart, Minnesota and Blue Country, not an oil rig within a... No, life. but there were some wind turbines within view. There always are now. Yeah, there well, shit, you can now. see those things from 100 miles away. Speaking of which... Currently, we are making a logo. So this is in production phase. You ready for this? I'm ready. ESGU. ESG University? Yes. Nice. ESG University. And it's so environmental. It's a podcast within a podcast. (laughs) It's like a nesting doll. This is a podcast within a podcast every week. Right here on the Crude Life content social media Network. It's like a dream wrapped in an enigma and stuffed in a taco. It's exactly. That's how green it is. <laughs> that's. I mean, this is. By the time for you not, vegans out there, by the time it's done, you won't even know you had it. <laughs> so, uh, we had our second meeting today for the work hard, play hard two day event coming to Watford City. Nice. Yeah, that was. Yeah, a, with, I did a Zoom call ooh, with video. With your pants on this time. I, well, I, actually, apparently that's a problem for some people. So I had to put my uh, hooded sweatshirt on because mm-hmm. that was the only thing I grabbed. I wasn't wearing a shirt. <laughs> was it your Prince well, one? It's summertime. I don't wear a shirt, right? It's just no. Right. It wasn't. It okay. was. That's the problem. Okay. It wasn't my Prince one. Yeah, that's your lucky purple. Prince. It was my Walmart one from five years ago that I bought on a whim because right. I didn't. You know, I quickly just needed something had, like fur inside, and it was winter time. Mm-hmm. Well, for some reason, I, that one was in the spare room. The other day when it was cold around here and yeah. I was running outside and I, 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 again, I was without my shirt. And so I grabbed <laughs> that one. It's a Tyler Durden. And um, that one I just, I happened to grab and throw on during the Zoom call. Well, the problem with that one is the zipper keeps falling down. Okay. 
So my protruding chest hair kept coming out <laughs> during this Zoom call, and it was noticeable yeah. to where the three females actually said something. They're having trouble with your heat, <laughs> your watermelon-ness. Oh, it turned into a topic. Yeah. Uh-huh. That curly, manly chest hair. Good news is <laughs> those uh, people that were involved in the Work Hard, Play Hard, which is presented by Play Hard, Work Hard, uh, they were okay with a manly man with yeah. protruding chest hair. They've seen hair. it before. They've seen it before. Hey, what oh, was uh, what was that music you were playing when I came in? Judas? Oh, yeah, Fozzie. Now, Fozzie. Fozzie, Now, yeah. tell me about Fozzie, because that was pretty metal. Oh, Fozzie. Yeah, so Fozzie's Chris Jericho from uh, wrestling. Okay, the wrestler. Wrestling. Professional wrestler. And he d- does... He had a band? Yeah, he, did, he used to <laughs> do, awesome. like, cover songs as this, like... Some East German metal band, and they would, and he would do an Andy Kaufman, Tony Clifton thing, where he would he would become a different personality, so, like his persona, and, and because he was in wrestling, he would not break that character. Oh, totally, and it would totally rub people the wrong way. I could see people on either side, people that were wrestling fans hating it, people that were not wrestling you know fans what? hating it, it, it. It's something I experienced with Johnny Green, actually. Yeah. I'll, do, I'll tell you what, a little bit behind the Wizard of Oz here, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about Johnny Green. Go behind Green. the curtain here. So I've done a few Johnny Green, you know, in, mm-hmm. in person. In character. In character. Yep. And I don't break character either. And they do not like that. Really? They do. When I show up, I'm in character. Yeah, you're so, a method actor, man. They're like trying to control the show, and right. they're trying to, and I'm, and I'm just you're all just like, a loose cannon, Johnny Green, Johnny Green, you know, yes, yeah. like, <laughs> Johnny Green, clean it, and Johnny Green, and, and they don't invite me back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they think it's cool, and they see all this different stuff. Right. They're like, hey, man, well, I've known him for 20 years, and, and they're thinking they're doing me a favor. Like, they're going to, hey, come on to our show. You're Johnny Green. You well, know? it's like interviewing the Duff Man. It's like, okay, so what else can he say? <laughs> so, but that was, that was what we decided to do with Johnny Green was just like in pro wrestling and just like in, you know, Tony Clifton and Fozzie and yep. everything else. You got it. You got to go into character. You know, I read a I read an article and I want to get it for you. It was talking about how wrestlers are sort of the modern day Rat Pack guys, and what they mean by that is that your Bing Crosby's, your your Frank Sinatra's, your Dean Smiths, are all these guys. They a lot of them started in Did you say Va- Dean. No, Smith? sorry, not Dean Smith. Uh, Dean Martin. Coach? You got you got uh, the old uh, yeah. Dean Smith. So you got Dean Martin. So these North guys, Carolina these guys Tar-Hills. came up. These guys came up a lot of them in vaudeville, right? So like stage shows, oh, yeah. comedy, and so they had that kind of timing. And then in the forties and fifties, they did a lot of those road movies, right? Road to Istanbul, Road to Comedy, Bob Hope, and stuff like that. Wrestlers are the same type. They have that weird tool set of just about every type of acting you need. So right? I'll even tell you a little secret here, which I know about wrestling. Okay. Because I know a lot about If you're going to tell me it's not real, I'm not going to believe you. Oh, Shut real. your lying hole. It's, it's a choreographed ballet. We all know it. It's a ballet. So the, the, the way to be successful in wrestling is what these Brat Pack guys figured out. Or the Rat Pack. Sorry, the Rat Pack. Yeah, Brat Pack. The Brat Pack did yeah, not they figure never, it out. They didn't figure shit out. No, less than zero. <laughs> nope, not at all. You like that joke? Yeah, it's, that's good. God, we are dating ourselves today. So, the right, by having a brat, mm-hmm. by having a Rat Pack conversation? Right. Okay, so Bing Crosby. <laughs> Some people are listening going, that's not a real name, Bing. Come on. Uh, chemistry. Yeah. 
chemistry. So in, in wrestling, what you have to understand is that you have to make the other guy look better than you sometimes mm-hmm. in order for you to look better. Yeah. And it's a back and forth. And sometimes you might have to be, you know, the bad guy, the heel for four years before you're the number one good guy of right. all time. The Rock the transition was that the most hated wrestler when he first debuted. He was he was booed out of the arena. Mm-hmm. Was he the villain out of the gate? Or no, was, they, no, they, they, just, they, they, they tried just didn't to make like him. Rocky Maivia, okay, because he was a third generation, this and that. They tried to make him something he wasn't. Yeah. Okay. And and the fans, the things about wrestling fans, this is gonna sound ironic. No, I know what you're gonna say though. They if you're not authentic, they reject you. No, it's, it's totally true, man. That's, and that's saying a lot about, yeah. you know, when, when your champion is a plumber or your champion <laughs> is, you know, a guy that carries a big giant boa constrictor to the ring. If they're not putting out a performance that allows you to suspend that disbelief, you know, if, right. they need to be authentically fake. Otherwise, that's it's saying. all done. And that's why Fozzie works so well. And that's why Chris Jericho works so well is because... And that's why Johnny Green works when he at that people loved Johnny Green yep. down at Earhart because you're all in and you're just you're enjoying life and people are they are living vicariously with your fun. Well, yeah, I mean, you, I'm watching you go down this parade. People are, you know, waving, throwing stuff. And I'm thinking, you know, most of these people don't know who you are. They see this guy up with a belt. And I noticed afterwards we had people just show up just being like, are you the guy with the belt? Can we see so, the belt? Here, a funny story about that. Um, irony here. Okay. So the... That one woman with the, the army helmet the even float, got a picture with you. The float that I was on, they, they won last year. Oh, really? Yeah, they won. Not with that one, but they, they won with a different float. Oh, okay. So half the people thought that belt was for them oh. because they won the parade last year. <laughs> so they were hoping. And that here I was just kind of, you know, Miss America holding up the right, belt. Right, right, right. Just as we sprayed the crowd with recycled water. <laughs> you keep saying that. It's nasty. And then the other half asked, asked what time the wrestling show started. Yeah, right. So, I mean, it was just kind of... Yeah, one person walked up when you were back at the truck and was like, uh, is there going to be, is there like, I saw a belt, is there going to be a wrestling thing later after the music? Still had an effect. Yes, it did. Still had an effect. (laughs) No such thing as bad publicity. So, uh, ESGU, man, it's so environmentally friendly, it's a podcast within a podcast. Is this an accredited university? We've got, you know what, we we should make some accredited behind it. (laughs) The Industrial Forest, uh, the public meetings start in September. The first about, one will be in Bismarck. That's going to be the Bismarck one with uh, Mayor Bakken? With Mayor Bakken. Nice. That's right. We might do one in Oklahoma ahead of time. Not sure yet, but uh, we're going to be doing one for sure in Bismarck, North Dakota. Public meetings of total transparency. <laughs> now, that's not going to be as much fun as, say, like the, uh, you know, the parade, right? There's not going to be food booths and stuff. This is like... You're going there, and they're a bunch of dry talk. I don't know. I was thinking about how to do it, actually. I don't... Well, how how much, do you spice it up? How much does a laser show cost? And I was thinking about, <laughs> do we bring in industrial forest dancers? No, I like this. I like that, that's that's, I'm this totally serious. Totally. These are thoughts that have been in my yeah, head. The industrial forest dancers. Right, and they come out to music yeah. in a smoke machine and the whole deal. Johnny Green in the legs, or I don't know. we got to come up with something. That's beautiful. Industrial hours after dark. Woo! You know, that sort of thing. 
So the crude life PM. <laughs> right? Right. That's where the crude life can get. Yeah, that's get, when the crude life where, kicks in. And then when the lights get, go out, the crude life kicks under in. under the bus if it doesn't work. <laughs> People don't like that to say we got rid of the crude life. They were too rude. <laughs> now we've got the EV life. Yeah, because everybody's life is EV now. Oh, it's Easy EV. Ooh, band name Easy EV. I'm taking it. No, oh. Easy Easy. Yeah, it sounds like ZZ Top meets Fresh Prince. Whatever I'm, happened I'm, to Easy E? I, I don't know. <laughs> All right, so athletes getting paid. We got time for this? Dang yeah, it. man. So the Supreme Court, right? They handed down a ruling that the new future of college athletes will include pay. So the Supreme Court decision against the NCAA paves the way for college athletes to be paid. We're the, not going to have enough time to totally flesh no, this but out. There's already a list of about 20 players that are already getting paid in various ways now. So it's already started. Oh, is there great? Because I am so excited to see how this plays out. This is going to be so disastrous. And so much good is going to come out of it and so much bad. And it is going to be, it's it's gonna be gonna, something new at least. Well, there's at the end of the day, it's listen, this is the free market opening up to be the free market. Mm-hmm. And this is something long overdue. Now, is this the right path? I have no idea uh, because there's so many different angles right out of the gate. Are those list of players up and who their sponsors are? Because um, if, if that is, let's go there because yeah. I, I'd like to just name a few things. So there's a list on NBCSports.com of 16 college athletes already getting paid under the new rule. Okay, so the first one that comes to mind is Master P's kid. Okay, so right, right away, the last time we heard about Master P was when he was Ricky Williams' agent. Oh my so god! Wow, he was he was really not much of a rapper. Yeah, and he was a businessman like Jay Z. Mm-hmm. So he became Ricky. not much of an agent, really, though. Well, he, I mean, he, he a, got a killer deal for Ricky, right? He was a smart businessman, yeah. and so his kid is good enough to play college basketball. Where at North Tennessee State? Where is he playing? Some. Anyways, I'm seeing a lot of them. These are universities like it's, Gable but, Stevenson from Minnesota Wrestling. But, but, oh, yeah. That, right? Of course, he's going to have something. But uh, uh, they don't have Masterpiece Kid down. That's not his name. He's got probably his regular name. What is his regular <laughs> name? I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> the headline says Masterpiece Master kid, kid. Right. <laughs> it takes away his identity. But ma- obviously, they bought through Masterpiece. Had nothing to do with his kid. So there's an, uh, th- there's an example of what's going to happen out of the gate is the Kardashian entitlement yeah. effect. Well, it's the influencer thing writ large. It's not even an influencer thing. This is an entitlement of preserving the wealth mm-hmm. thing. Okay, this is the rich keep getting richer. All right. So that's going to happen. But what happens when that happens? People get pissed. Yeah. So now the locker room is going to revolt and react against Master P's kid because he got a $2 million deal. Right. And he's not even the starter. Yeah. He's not even the top player on the team. So now the center, who's averaging 20 points and 10 rebounds a game, he doesn't even have the car dealership. Right. But his cousin, who plays for Duke, who sits on the bench. He's got a deal. He's got a deal from the car dealership because everybody on Duke's got a dealership or or got a deal from 
American Express from the starter all the way down to the towel boy yeah. who's got the car dealership. Well, it's going to be a little bit like a, a NASCAR deal, you know, where you've got basically a, an athlete with about a billion different stickers on them, right? They'll just be, I don't think I mean, I don't do think that. I no, I don't mean they'll they'll turn into literal billboards, but they're, oh, they're I'm looking at some of the the sponsorships, PetSmart, online gaming. I mean, it's just this weird collection of when, sponsors. When I posted my my pillow ad on social media yesterday, mm-hmm. I felt like a NASCAR car. And that's what's going to happen. Social media is going to become like NASCAR. Yeah. Everybody, I mean, everybody's going to have it now. And Yeah, everybody's and, a commercial. Well, if I got one, everybody's going to have one pretty soon. <laughs> like I said, that, that was the proudest I've ever seen my son when I got a promo code. <laughs> that was the proudest I've and ever seen And you named it after son. him. I know. I mean, <laughs> I, listen, I... Folks, if you could see me now, I'm drinking coffee out of my Super Dad <laughs> mug. That's how good I feel right now. Did he give now. that to you? No, or did I you buy that yourself? heard on the Crude Life Morning Show Play Hard, Work Hard is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com The Crude Life Morning Show Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by Chewy Paws All natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs USA sourced premium quality and no preservatives They love what we do in oil and gas and all profits go to the dogs That's Chewy Paws Check out their website ChewyPaws.com That's ChewyPaws with a Z dot com The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard.
also going to have jealousy on the field because if a guy gets touchdowns, he's going to get paid at this dealership and this endorsement. Right. And so free pizza. all of a sudden now they're not going to pass to a guy because he's open and he might hit a three and they're mad because he's getting money. Oh, this is, trust me, all the issues that mm-hmm. everyone else has with the whole celebs and the media and everything that comes with. Now they're going to go through all the pros and the cons that come with it. That's why I'm saying this is going to be a train wreck. But it's the only way it's going to go. Well, you know, it's been stuck this way for so long. I think we have to see something new. I'm just happy it's progress and the kids are finally going to get paid. Yeah, there's going to be some compensation. Something I agree, though. It's a Wild West right now. It totally is. And But you see where there's so many different angles and so many different slices. Mm-hmm. And I've worked in the media my whole life, so I've experienced a lot of these. I mean, a lot of this stuff is going to happen. You know, yeah. I mean... Then you got the whole idol worship side of things, too. And the celebrityness. That's why I said the whole Kardashian thing where the first one was Master P's kid. It didn't even say his name. Okay. (laughs) Well, it just assumes you can make that association. Is the endorsement for Master P or for his kid? I wonder if he was like, make sure you reference it as Master P's kid. Right? Maybe that's the name of his kid. Now, that would be pretentious as hell. Wow. Jason's kid. Jason's kid. Well, that's how Thompson got started. That's Thomas's son. Right. Thompson. Thompson, yeah. Hey, there's John's son. Let's just call him Johnson. Yeah. Odin's son. Isn't, fu- isn't that funny? Folks, that's actually true. Oh, yeah. That's when last names came. Well, so and you still see that a lot That was here. John. And yeah. then all of a sudden when new families came and they sprung up and, well, we got three Johns around yeah, here. Well, that's, so Johnson. That's John's son. And anyway. Son of John. So, we got some news coming up, huh? Yeah, we got some local news. This is from Reuters. North Dakota sues federal government over canceled oil and gas leasing. So, we knew this was coming, right? Oh, yeah. In fact, I just got an email uh, last night or yesterday afternoon from U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer and one from Hoven as well. Oh, I got some audio from Kevin oh, yeah? Kramer. Yeah, hang on. Clip? Let's listen Let's to the play. audio first. Well, <laughs> In addition to being a really foolish idea, President Biden's moratorium on oil and gas leasing leasing on federal lands is illegal, and it increases federal and state budget shortfalls. Uh, It hampers states and and, and private mineral owners' rights. Uh, It makes the United States, of course, less energy independent and more reliant on foreign producers, and and not all of them good actors. Places like Russia, Saudi Arabia, uh, even Venezuela. So I support the uh, Attorney General Stengem's efforts in court, applaud him for standing up for North Dakota, and of course, as always, stand ready to help in any way that I can. All right, so... We should have probably listened to that second, but uh, <laughs> go ahead and read what Reuters had to say. Well, so they're talking well, you got about me saying Reuters. Yeah. North Dakota is suing the U.S. government on claims the Department of the Interior and the Bureau of Land Management illegally canceled oil and gas lease auctions in the state. The complaint filed late Wednesday, a complaint filed late Wednesday with the United States District Court for the District of North Dakota Western Division. Jesus, that's a masthead. Said March and June auctions nixed by the federal agency cost the state $80 million in lost revenues. So the North Dakota Attorney General is taking this action. It's uh, because basically North Dakota is the second biggest crude oil producing U.S. state with the bulk of its tax revenues produced by oil and gas activity. So yeah, we're looking at potentially billions of dollars of losses caused by canceled leases in the coming months. Without a doubt... This is, well, this is a serious deal. Yeah. I mean, in North Dakota, you know, 55% and then some 
of their f- budget is tied to the oil and gas taxes. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a ripple beyond belief. Well, and, I mean, you know, we're one of those states where, you know, you say we're the second biggest producer. That's already kind of a head turner for, for a lot of people that don't pay any attention to where this stuff comes from. Somebody brought up a really interesting comment to me today. What's that? They didn't get any uh, North Dakota COVID money, mm-hmm. like me and like you. Mm-hmm. And so the they're PPE bus- or whatever the hell it was. Whatever called. it was. Yeah. yeah. They got offered debt, though. They got offered mm-hmm. debt. Just like I did and you did. Um, so he brought up a really interesting perspective. He said, you know, him and his wife are having some talks because their business is not doing well. Okay. And they're probably going to have to close their doors. What kind of business are we talking about here? That's not important. Okay. So, but he's, he's talking about his options and of course his wife, go get a job. Just go get a job is all. In the news, there's hundreds of jobs every day. You got people from job service coming out every day saying jobs, 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 jobs. Yep. Well, they're $15 an hour jobs. Yeah, yeah, they're service jobs for the most so part. So this guy's supposed to go from six figures down to maybe 50 grand a year if he's working 90 hours a week. And he here's do what the you got to do, man. But here's the kicker. He can't figure out why he keeps funding a system to put his business out of business out so of he business. can make less money <laughs> and being told that there's jobs there. That's the, that's the kicker. Yeah. So there's some, oh man, people are coming up with some well, new interesting ways to be spiteful right now. Well, and you know, something that, uh, not to go back too much By on way, what ju- Rob, justified spiteness too. Spiteness, right. right yes. uh, not to go back too far, but when we were talking about Robert Bryce, you know, in his testimony uh, to the energy subcommittee, one of the things he said in his paper that stood out to me is he was in his conclusion is he's talking about, you know what, this is going to be expensive. If we want to do this, it's going to be expensive. And he calls for transparency and he says, we need to own up to the fact that this is going to be costly and messy. That's the other part is this EV revolution Mm. is going to be on the backs of the uh, low and middle class. They're going to be the ones carrying the subsidies. I mean, we always are. What was the headline out yesterday? The NBA owners, the NFL owners, they Mm. don't pay taxes. Mm -hmm. So you got these billionaires not paying taxes and now they're getting the subsidies though. Oh yeah. That's that. That's the difference of the kangaroo court that happened here is that, what, what happened is a lot of the politicians said, you know what, let's just stop helping, you know, the lower class because they keep screwing it up. Let's just give it to the rich guys because they create jobs. Well, yeah, that's the way they think about it. Right. Is, it's, is it's they just jobs. They, they don't understand if giving it to the end. It's like they don't trust us with our own money is always been the point. Well, I know. I love that. That's not that fun. It's like it's like the worst parent. Right. But uh you know, beyond that, it's like they just keep doing it. They're like, not only do they know the guy, so I can trust you to give you the money and you'll take care of it, but that's just, that's what makes sense to them, right? And until we change that, we're screwed. The old drunk at the end of the bar, because we were bellied up to the bar talking at uh, Beer and Fish in downtown Fargo. Mm-hmm. Fresh seafood flown in daily. <laughs> it better be. <laughs> Raw oysters, you know. Yuck. Well, because it's downtown, you know, you get the uh, uh, vagrant drunks that kind of came with the downtown, you know, yeah. grand- grandfathered in. They're load-bearing. Yeah, they're load-bearing drunks. <laughs> they, well, they hold those walls at, up, man. At Beer and Fish, there is a few of them because uh, they, they came with Dempsey's, which is the dive bar across the alley. Oh, man, that place is still there. Same owner. Oh, wow. yeah, same owner. Yeah, he, he, oh, he treats people right. Yeah. And he's a foodie. 
So he's got the dive of dives and the best seafood in town. Okay, so he and, and they're back alley to each That's other. That's a great right? combination. So he gets apparently occasionally the drunks will come in to you know get an oyster or two or oh, something God, like that because that's what you want when you're drunk is an oyster but they are resident drunks so we do put up with them <laughs> they're on call <laughs> and, and because they are resident drugs load-bearing drunks at the end of the bar they eavesdrop and they, they no no they join the conversation they join. whenever they want oh yeah yeah <laughs> and this guy so you know he was this guy was going through just kind of the weird sadistic tax cycle that we're in as a small business owner where they're phasing out small business to make everybody go work at Costco or Walmart for 15 bucks an hour or some new, you know, uh, a computer clacking job, you know, for whatever. And here the old drunk, what does he say? He goes, it sounds like the establishment's afraid of you guys because <laughs> the government helps the weak. <laughs> And I thought, that's it. That's probably yeah, the true. wise sage well, it, and eminent junkies. Well, it got me wondering, honestly, you know, I mean, when we're, you know, we make fun of the broachpreneurs and, mm-hmm. you know, the millennial group that has been selected to become the next generation of entrepreneurs, the new right. definition of definition of entrepreneurs. A lot of these guys have gotten bails at bailouts every three years. Oh, yeah. I, I still don't understand, you know, about a month and a half ago, it came out, we're talking about Musk and we're talking about Bezos There's another one. and they didn't pay taxes right. over the last couple of years. And to me, that should be the front page store. Anytime they make the news for any reason, that should be part of the byline or the headline. There should be a reminder, anything that they do or that they're doing, be like a reminder that they didn't pay any taxes and we funded all of this. You know, since we're being snarky on a Friday... We're just bitter. Well, this one is actually very interesting. About the Bakken barbecue. Mm. Oh, yeah. This involves a little bit of a tinfoil hat. I can't imagine. This involves (laughs) a little bit of uh, uh, Bush League baseball. This involves a little bit of uh, ruthlessness and the history behind the ruthlessness that is involved. So... The tinfoil hat is just on the surface. I believe it's true what I'm about to tell you. Okay. Okay. Lay it on me, man. Lock it in. By the way, if any of you work for Forum Communications, this is exactly why you're down to two days a week. Okay. This is why your subscription is no longer seven days a week is because of bullshit like this. So the Bakken barbecue, not only had over 5,000 people, mm-hmm. okay? It was the biggest of all time. In fact, the year before, we had 3,000 people. And that was a that And was that a was during COVID. Yeah. We didn't even get a story. They didn't even run a story on us. Really? Okay? Oh, no, during co- all kinds of angles. Right. Okay, right and left, all this. Uh, just an event during COVID, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So this year... The event happened Friday and was done by 10 o'clock, okay? So if you're a newspaper reporter, you could have got more than your field field by 7 o'clock, okay? Right, yeah. But I know the way the newspaper industry works, and 10 o'clock is a deadline, and sometimes it's even later because of sports games. Mm -hmm. Sports, 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 so important. You got to say it five times because (laughs) they pay the bills. Take a look at a take a look at a newspaper. That's where the only ads are left. Mm-hmm. Is the sports pages? 
Yeah, because they so, won't, won't let cigarettes and alcohol do it anymore. You Double overtime, stop the presses. Right. You're damn right. Oh, yeah, even if it's like a Little League game, man. If it's local, you, <laughs> you bet, bet, buddy. Yep. Or, or NDSU Bison, without a doubt, football. I'm surprised they don't have their own like C-SPAN channel yet. So I, I, I don't know what the days of the week are for the newspaper on in Dickinson, but I believe it's Sunday and Wednesday. Okay. Okay. Well, our barbecue is on a Friday. So Saturday morning on the digital version of, in, of Dickinson Press or whatever okay. it might be, what do you think the front page story was? Biggest event, barbecue. We had U.S. Congressman Kelly Armstrong there, mm-hmm. Mayor of Bismarck, the Mayor of Dickinson, Kirsten Baszler, Miss Teen North Dakota, Mental Health. The ATM ran out of cash. We had Elma Cook singing America the Beautiful. We had a local uh, uh, Sunshine Diem singing, singing National Anthem. I mean, we ESG had, approved smoked potatoes. It was potatoes. WrestleMania Palooza, baby. <laughs> I mean, there was so much. You could have you had a program with sponsors just for this thing. And what was that? What would they end up running the with? The front page story, when you go to the, the digital version, you know, because I don't think they had the press till the, till the Sunday, mm-hmm. but was... A barbecue that's going to happen in a few weeks. So that's the Bush League I'm talking about what, here. What barbecue so, are they talking about? I've been a part of meetings like this, and I don't know if this is what happened here, because sometimes apathy and just laziness is, is, is the correct answer right. in, in this case. I don't know. Yeah, that but what, seems like but a total what drop. I do know is that over 5,000 people, went to the Dickinson Press the next day to find out and read about the event that they participated in because that's traditionally the way the media works. Right. So instead of getting a story on the biggest Bakken barbecue event history, they got a preview and a promotion (laughs) for an event that's going to happen in a couple weeks. So somebody paid for the keywords, right? I mean, that's like what that is. Somebody... No, paid to somebody be paid for the front paid story. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know what the local politics are, but I'll bet you dollars to donuts that somebody over somebody and somebody didn't like them. And because of that, they use the energy of other people and used it for their own. Yeah. That's politics, what makes man. me mad. That's what really upsets me. Yeah. So that's why your newspaper's down to two days a week because of Bush League politics like that. And it's so noticeable and transparent that even, like I said, and if you didn't do it, and it's just because you're lazy. Well, that's that's its own thing. I mean, then that's, that's its own problem. Yeah, that's its own problem, Because man. <laughs> you can give me all the reasons and justifications all day long, but the end result is that Friday night, the party of the summer happened, and your front page story was a promotion for something else. That's not even a newspaper. A newspaper reports... You actually promoted. You're an ad agency. By the way, I believe they... I should probably shut up. I think they're a client. (laughs) I think what you meant to say was, I think they were a client. I think they were. (laughs) Next news. Let me me give you something here to chew on. By the way, what was our news story on that? That was the North Dakota one, man. They're suing the government. Here, you're going to love this. Leonardo DiCaprio, Katy Perry... And Joaquin Phoenix. What do those three names make you think of? Makes me think of a very liberal PG movie. version. Okay, there you go. So they are an A-list protest against Line 3. Really? Yeah. 
Oh, really? So we have finally got, well, finally. It was really Are just you kidding me? Dude, I am not They kidding. got a celebrity yep. lineup now? Over 200 wait, celebrities. Wait, 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 wait. Over 200. Wait, wait. A celebrity lineup promoting preview. Tell me this is in a newspaper. Please tell me this is in a newspaper. This is coming from thehill.com. Okay. Which is, mind. you know, no, they're generally not, they're considered to be a right-lean Ah, they're an site, ad agency designed as a newspaper. So over um, 200 celebrities and environmental so activists. and all the other ones, too. They've signed an open letter to President Biden urging him to halt Line 3, the proposed replacement and expansion of an oil pipeline which stretches from Alberta, Canada through Wisconsin. So we've got Leonardo, Katy Perry, Joaquin Phoenix, Danny Glover, Jane Fonda, Orlando Bloom, and Amy Schumer. So... They're getting into it, right? Seriously. Line three pipeline carries what was that lineup oil again? over tribal land. What was that lineup again? Uh, everybody. Leonardo DiCaprio, Katy Perry, Joaquin Phoenix, Danny Glover, Jane Fonda, Orlando Bloom, Amy Schumer, and over 200 others. Who's Amy Schumer? Uh, she's a comedian. Okay. That, okay, I do know who she is. Yeah. That cross-section, Danny Glover, Jane Fonda, Orlando Bloom, yeah, Katy Perry. Well, Katy Perry is married to Orlando Bloom. That's the only reason I can figure he's there. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's that, all right. Yeah, uh, you know, show it's 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 protest plus one. But he, you know, it's they're hitting all the demographics that are not sixteen because they don't need to hit the sixteen-year-olds. They're right. they're they're going to come regardless. Yeah. But when you take a look at that lineup, when you mention Danny Glover, everybody likes Danny Glover. I mean, really. Yeah, I mean, you have to be kind of a different kind of person not to. The guy, the guy hasn't done anything controversial. No, ever. he's not a very no. controversial. Figure. No, he's the old. Oh, I'm too old for this. Yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, he's, I'll he's, never forget that scene where he's got the toilet bomb. Right, exactly. <laughs> and even in Grand Canyon, he was the lovable mechanic. He was and great in that. Movie. He, he plays a lot of great roles. And yep. and actually, I've met Danny Glover in have a you? hot tub. In a in Texas. Okay. In a hot tub. In a hot tub. Yes. How does this story end? Well, uh, just, just <laughs> you have fine. to see the movie. Well, I was out. It was back when I was doing the publishing, and uh, I happened to go up, and, and it was one of these roof hot tubs, and there wasn't many people there, and so and I went up there, and he was sitting, you know, like most guys when you get into a hot tub, you sit as far away from the other person right. you don't know as possible. Yeah. But we just had some small talk and this and that, and I I, footsie. I figured out pretty quick it was Danny Glover. Yeah. And I also, because of, you know, my background on the local media, I know how to treat regular media. Right. You know, the regular folk that are, that are really famous, <laughs> you just treat them like regular people yeah. and they'll stay in the hot tub and talk to you. Right. If it's, you freak them out. They'll get up and leave. Yeah. And so I bet mean, we had a 20, 30 minute, you know, probably 20 minute conversation because yeah. it was a hot tub. And, um, but no, really nice guy down there. Talked about the kids, family, that sort of thing. Nice. So nothing, Keep it real. Just that, yep. that sort of thing. But. Uh, then you mentioned some of the other people, uh, Jane Fonda. So, I mean, you're, now you're talking bringing the old hippies back because they want to relive the old Vietnam pro. Oh boy, this has got <laughs> this has got it written all over it. Well, you know, it's again, it's it's talking about the pipeline that we've been talking about. This is know. like being produced, dude. Yeah, it is. It's going to be like a what the hell was that program back in the day? Like Wag uh, the Dog. No, I was thinking. Well, that's a good one. Moonland. No, I was thinking of where they did the you know that like promotional concert with all the singers. We are the children. Spinal Tap. No, 
I know that. <laughs> now, if Spinal Tap showed up and played a show, I'm there. I'm there. Dude. I'm there, man. I'm like, I'm not here to protest, but I like the music. Yeah. So their main beef is it carries oil over tribal lands, leading to concerns about its impact on the environment and indigenous communities that inhabit and use the land. Again, I would go back and ask them: Has there been a problem with this in the last seventy-four years? Does it say years? the story? It doesn't. Basically, what it says, their their quote, their their letter to the editor slash president is line three violates the rights and life ways of the uh, Shawnee. I'm butchering that people by endangering the headwaters of the Mississippi River, including critical areas for hunting, fishing, harvesting wild rice and cultural resources. They mentioned that the U.S. is bound by treaty to uphold that. Mm-hmm. And uh, White House has declined to comment at this time. So a bunch of noise and thunder signifying nothing. Bunch of bartenders running the world. Oh, man. I'm going to be, going to be, going to be, right? <laughs> well, that's what, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the future. We're talking about the future. There has never been a problem in 70 years of this pipeline, but going to be, going to be, going to be, right? Yeah. yeah. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This yeah. is going to happen, right? And so it's just... This is where we're at. Well, you know, I would turn it back on some of my friends, uh, you know, on the left and, and sort of equate it to, uh, you know, gun control, their desire for gun control. Right. And the talk of a slippery slope and, you know, the idea that, well, we got to do something about this pipe before something happens. Right. That we can get in front. Well, mm-hmm. nothing has happened. I, I just look at it as this is where climate change is winning the narrative okay and what i mean by that is we are more concerned as a society with our leadership driving the direction to invest trillions and trillions of dollars to a problem that may or may not exist in the future because it's the future Mm -hmm. we do not know how to predict the future we do not know what the climate is going to be next year let alone in a hundred years. So we're talking about putting trillions of dollars and by the way, our liberties towards the future. That's one slice of the problem. The other one is we're just flat out ignoring all the problems of today. Well, yeah. And this is like, I mean, we got people getting laid off at record levels right now that they're not talking about because they're talking about all the new jobs. They're not talking about all the six-figured people getting laid off. Mm-hmm. They're talking about all the new jobs. <clears throat> By the way, thirty bucks or thirty grand a year. I mean, that—that's what they're not saying. Well, I, you know, personally, I don't have a hell of a lot of sympathy for the the six-figure people because I don't make six figures, so it's beyond my context, right? If they got to go work a job, I've worked at Walmart, I have dug pits, I have worked in a nursing home. But you, you didn't do, enjoy it, did no, you? No. But my point is. You can bitch and moan about it all you want, but at the end of the day, you got to nut up and get a job and get money and pay your bills. So I have done whatever I had to do that didn't require breaking the law to make sure that there was a roof over my head and food for my kids. But you know this as a business owner, and a lot can be true when you put your, your, your heart and soul into a company for yeah. someone else. Yeah. When the appointed and elected leaders keep moving the goalposts, mm-hmm. That ain't fair. Well, and, that ain't fair. Yeah, and, and just tell somebody to go nut up and get a job. That ain't fair, because they had a job. Right, they had a great job. 
but now it's gone. Well, I, again, I would just say, because I agree with you, but I'd say I've worked in a lot of states that are right-to-work states. And one of the big things about that is that you can quit for whatever reason, whenever you want, but I can fire you for whatever reason, exactly. whenever I want. So again, I, you know, I empathize with people, but I don't, I'm, I have never been in a position where I turned around and said, it's somebody else's fault that I have to go get a different job because that's irrelevant. I need to go get the damn job. But it is very difficult in today's day and age where building a better mousetrap doesn't matter anymore. Right. I mean, seriously, it doesn't because when you take a look at what the government has done over the last 10 years, Mm -hmm. okay, they've taken away risk management for a certain group of people. Yeah. They no longer have to worry about risk management. They're always going to have the check coming every two weeks. And by the way, if if they're not making money, the government will give them a bailout one way or another. Yeah. When you take a look at uh, North Face with the VR Corporation, that was my, my thing. Like, how is it that shareholders or the government or anybody is okay with anyone rejecting business during a pandemic? Right. Okay. How is it that how is it anybody's okay with it? You could be a taxpayer and actually complain because right. you just donated your grandkids' grandkids' f- livelihood down down to fix a few problems today well and not even fix it it's just a moment of symbolism and then it's gone and it's forgotten it was was actually to give to a bunch of banks well no what i mean is that like with with the north face type stuff saying oh i'm not going to buy from you because you support oil and gas during a pandemic right that makes absolute zero sense so that you have a moral victory and other people are potentially out of a job but if the free market was there they would never do that because they could not do that because in the back of their mind or at any part of their mind there would be no safety net right okay well you and i don't operate with the idea that there's a safety net ever don, don do you know what he said to me when when, when mm. he left yesterday on his way to uh, georgia traveling yeah. don making his way through <laughs> taking the midnight train back to georgia well don don's got a great story because you know he didn't make his millions till he was in his late 40s right actually until he was in his uh, uh late 50s right when he, he sold did, his... he started the company yep. in the late 40s and then sold it in the late 50s and then parlayed that into a more successful company by having someone else do all the work. Yeah. Cause him yeah. and I did all the work together in our first company. And, um, but anyway, what he said to me was he looked at me and he goes, he goes, Jason, he goes, one of the best things ever happened to me is retirement, you know, because, uh, I get a check every two weeks regardless now. Yeah. And he goes, I, I look at you and, and he named his other uh, son who's, mm-hmm. who's an entrepreneur. He goes, I don't know how you guys can do it today not having a guaranteed check because it's just, it's a different world out there. No, it totally is. You know, you know, on one hand, I mean, you get it. It's like, if I don't make it, I'm going to have to go get that $15 flipping burger job. Right. So there's, you've got that in the back of your mind. It's the, you have to make it. We don't have that safety net. There is, there is no real failure. You can't afford to fail. It's tough, man. I mean, that's the, to me, the one thing that is really lost in this whole last couple of years, and, and I would even say 10 years, is how they've really eliminated risk management for a lot of, well, not a lot, just for a certain group of individuals. Yeah. And Well, maybe it's all part of this consolidation we keep talking about, you know? Maybe you, that's ESGU, huh? ESG, yeah. What's next? <laughs> all right, so this next one here is from the Western Producer. 
Headline, oil gas well cleanup seen as economic boost. This is by Doug Ferguson. Canadian website or Canadian paper if my... I think you might be right here. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, this is talking about Alberta liabilities yep. here. I think Alberta's yep. in Canada. Alberta Liabilities Disclosure Project says reclaiming abandoned wells could create 10,000 jobs a year for 25 years. It's estimated it will cost 40 to $70 billion to clean up unreclaimed oil and gas wells in Alberta. More than 10,000 full-time energy sector jobs per year could be created for 25 years through proposed measures that include launching a reclamation trust to help clean up such wells such as Regan Boychuk. That's a great name. <laughs> Regan Boychuk, that's the guy's name, of Alberta Liabilities Disclosure Project, or the ALDP. There's decades of work in every corner of the province involving all the same people that are unemployed today, all the same companies and equipment that are sitting idle and on sale. This is another transition. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and this is, you know, I was talking. This is, this is, by the way, this has got a lot of very propaganda language, by the totally, way. Totally, man. Well, they're taking something that is very negative to a lot of people, which is closing down an industry yeah. and making it sound like it's puppies and kittens. But go on. Well, you're right. I mean, any way you shape this, this is basically like, this might be the last time you ever work in oil and gas. It might last another five, 10 years, but you're, well, basically, you're basically putting it to bed. Oil, gas, well cleanup, seen as economic boost. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that headline in itself is a little, you know, a, a little bit... Um, propaganda. Well, yeah, because you're not so much yeah. looking at a boost as what you're seeing as replacing. You're trying to replace something. So you're not uh, boosting anything. I think I'm going to have to get a ref refresher course on these abandoned uh, orphan wells mm -hmm. because are, are these really being abandoned? A lot of them are, apparently. So these, what, the energy companies, they can just leave? Well, I was talking to... Well, in North Dakota, remember, that's yeah. what they were saying. They kept saying abandoned wells. Yeah. Well, we, it's, we, we got to fix these abandoned... Yep. Well... Well, you got some... These companies aren't going out of business. Yeah, some of them are just... They don't exist anymore, or... No, it, that I understand, but, yeah. but not some of the big guys who got money. No. They're not going out of business. No, no but, they're, but they have stopped using, or they've essentially abandoned and but cut down. can they just walk away? That's one of the that's one of the problems. No, they can't. But you remember we've talked about like the insurance that they pay. Well, for Well, that's that, what I'm right? saying. Can can they just say, "Hey, landowner, you got ten grand for a bond. Take care of it and walk away." That's what it's I'm probably cheaper for let's them to do out. it that way. Yeah, I I'd be kind of curious. I'd be curious if we could find an answer to that. ESGU. There you go. Another course. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's. I was talking to a, a friend of mine that used to do. He's a geologist and he worked for a survey company out of Denver, Colorado. And he was talking about a couple different shale plays that, that he did survey in for. And then we talked about the East coast in Pennsylvania. And he was saying one of the biggest problems out there, he said, is that a lot of those wells were put up in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And they right. were just, they just threw dirt on them or, you know, so it's not even Three wheelers. A, there is, 80s, there yeah. is nobody to go back to. You have to find them. But that's and not what we're talking about no. here. We're well, not I mean, talking uh, about that. Those, okay. those are what they, they, they group those in the same thing as that, abandoned wells. Th that is right. Yeah. But are those orphan or are those abandoned? That's what I mean where right. I thought I knew what the terms were. But during the last few it's, months, yeah. the, the way I've seen the word abandoned get thrown around, it's like we're in the 90s again with supermodels. Uh, uh, it's uh, where they're just throwing the term out incorrectly. 
And that's why I'm trying to figure out, do I misunderstand what's going on or have we gotten to where we can just loosely say abandon now? I think that's the thing is that you're going to get people that only have kind of a surface knowledge. And so they hear abandoned and orphaned. These are just, regulators saying the word. Right. Okay. Okay. So according to the Texas Railroad Commission, yes. the regulatory body that oversees Texas oil and natural gas Which development, said, yes. an orphan well is an inactive and unplugged well that has not produced oil or natural gas for a minimum of 12 months. So an orphan well is more likely to be a big operator that's still in business but not particularly using these wells whereas abandoned is the company doesn't exist anymore there's no way to trace to who owns it or you know something along those lines what is an orphan well again basically it's an inactive or unplugged well that has not produced oil or natural gas for a minimum of 12 months but they know who the owner is generally yeah because you're talking about you know something that's it, once it hits a year, it, it becomes an orphan well, as it was an abandoned well that could be a hundred years old. Mm-hmm. You know, hmm. yeah. But you're right; they throw away, they throw those two terms around, you know, sort of interchangeable. Well, I just I'm trying to figure out. Let's just throw any name out yeah, there, right? Exxon, Exxon, right? Um, Exxon can have an abandoned well, like that's a thing. Sounds like it. Well, I mean, they're they're obviously not going anywhere. Neither well, yeah. Shell or BP or any of these big guys. That's but we, I, we we did talk a month or so ago about North Dakota farmers and stuff that were having trouble with you know getting paid. That's what I'm saying. I I don't right? I don't think I understand this as much yeah. as I thought I did. Well, it sounds like it's actually a lot more complicated because when they say we you know that's the thing is they dumb it down. We can go cap wells. We can make ten thousand jobs. We can pay everybody that's currently not being paid. So they just, you know, they hit the pleasure points, the buttons there. But the complexity of it is that you've got a bunch of different types of wells. You got different companies that are in ownership, and like it comes back down to the money, man. Where's the money going to go? Big companies that have their wells that they should be plugging now they're going to get paid to plug them that's where i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out if if that's what's going on that ain't gonna fly that ain't gonna go over well no pun intended (laughs) but i'm bummed heard on the Crude Life Morning Show Play Hard, Work Hard is by the Moody River Band. The Crude Life, the most trusted voice in energy. On the phone, talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We are the oil and gas regulator, but we do pipelines and pipeline safety inspections for the state of Texas. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities. We have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It's an important part of what goes on in the state, and safety is is really important, obviously, to all of us. Absolutely. You know, the, the oil and gas industry has always been environmentally focused. I mean, uh, the President Biden's administration, that this is Obama-Biden 2.0+. plus. And the rate at which we've seen the executive orders flying off the president's desk 
It's taking America back, taking jobs back, and putting us in a detrimental position. But as the attorneys general for a number of states, we are pushing back. Um, from the Department of Transportation, that Permian, the Permian Basin has some of the um, most deadly roads of anywhere in the country. We average a fatality per day. That is absolutely unacceptable, and we need to do better. Uh, we just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. I went out there on my first rig move, and I was like, wow, I'm permitting all these loads, getting trucks going, load go, and I don't even know what half the stuff was. So when I finally got to go on the rig, I was like, wow, I was amazed. I was truly amazed of how this process is. No, I wasn't expecting any olive branch at all. Uh, the Democrat Party has decided that they don't like oil and natural gas, and uh, they were clear that they're going to go after us. I, I don't think that's any surprise. My name is Jenica, and today we get to talk with Amy Andrzak of the Interstate Natural Gas Association of America. Amy is the president and CEO. How are you doing today? I would say my my interest in this arena started more from an interest in politics and advocacy, more so than an interest specifically in the energy industry. Well, the first the, the first advice that I that I want to give is, ladies, put your clothes on, okay? If you want to be taken seriously, put your clothes on, which that's a whole other podcast topic. It's a funny thing, what I think sometimes is just really ironic. I'll, I used to pull into the office and I would see some of my colleagues driving electric cars and things like that. And I'm like, how do you work for a large oil and gas company? <laughs> pull in an electric car. So, I mean, even us, I mean, even in our, in our circles, we can see that things are changing. Actually, you are on the money. Back in 2014 and 15, when we first started approaching our management team at our reasoning for wanting to engage in ESG is that we had great stories to tell. We all like living the crude life, so. <laughs> Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. Hi, I'm Robert Bryce. I'm a visiting fellow, or rather a research fellow, at the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity. I'm also an author, journalist, and podcaster. Well, thank you for joining us. I, I've got your testimony here, the uh, Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity, testimony before the United States Congress. So we're going to talk about that as well as EV vehicles. But, well, I did want to ask you before we get into some of the EV vehicles and and testimony talk about a recent news story, since you are, are you still in Austin, Texas? Is that correct? I, I am indeed. The one thing I did enjoy was how you kind of set the table a little bit. And I didn't even realize this, that there's been a push for EV vehicles since the turn of the 1900s, since the 20th century started back in 1911. is No, 1901. Jeez, 1901, the Los Angeles Times declared the electronic automobile was here. So it's um, it's been going on for a while. Talk to me a little bit about what you what led you to do this paper that was detailed and started back at the, you know, 1901, I guess. Sure. Well, Jason, it's not. I was flattered to be invited to speak. I spoke before the House Select Committee on Climate Change uh, on the climate crisis, I guess is the actual name. Uh, and that was uh, last week. And, uh, you know, anytime you want to you testify, you're asked to testify before Congress. Well, I think it's my job as a citizen, put forward my best effort and to present the facts as best as I can. Well, I followed electric vehicles for more than a decade. I wrote about them in my fourth book, Power Hungry, uh, The Myths of Green Energy and the Real Fuels of the Future. And 
when I was researching that book, I went to the Library of Congress in Washington, which I, I love to visit that building, the Jefferson Building, I, I believe it is, and the, the Jefferson Reading Room. It's just an incredible building. But they have an amazing online resource where you can word search, keyword search, newspapers going back 100 years, or in some cases more than that. So I, I looked at the history of EVs, and I found all these clips, including from you know the Los Angeles Times, 1901, the New York Times, 1911, the Washington Post, 1915. Over and over again, all of these ana- analyses saying, oh, well, the electric vehicle, this is going to take precedence over the internal combustion engine. And I provided that history because, to me, it's so relevant now. Yes, EVs are cool, and Teslas are the sales are growing. There's no doubt about it. But they, after a century of hype, after a century of hype, what is the reality? They still only account for 2% of all auto sales in the United States. In California, which for more than 30 years now has been mandating the sale of zero emission vehicles, they amount to 6%. Well, why is that? It, it, maybe it's because, maybe that there's not enough consumer pull. And therefore, all this government push is is aiming at the wrong thing, that consumers aren't buying them because they don't fit the need that they have. And I think that's a critical point to keep in mind as the Biden administration continues to push for uh, these all alternative technologies, including tens of billions of dollars in subsidies, call it what it is, for EV charging stations and other electrification of, of transportation. We've had U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer and U.S. Congressman Kelly Armstrong on the program that have talked pretty specifically about uh, Biden's recent budget that directs more money into EV vehicles than roads and bridges and et cetera. Uh, I thought that was pretty eye-opening, too, that the the government's directing a lot of the traffic, if you will, and trying to subsidize EV vehicles without – you know, really kind of repairing the roads because there's a lot of different, you know, whether you want to get into the gas tax or the weight of Tesla batteries, it's just a different direction to go. I'm not sure that the subsidies are going to help it at all, but um, what, what's your thoughts on the, well, on that, go ahead. Yeah, well, I think it's the, the key point there, Jason, I think is that too, there's an equity issue here. And, and I talk about it in my, in my written testimony for the, for the house, which you can find on their website. I also have it on my website, robertbrice.com. But there's an equity issue in terms of the rural-urban divide. Uh, You know, I've spent a fair amount of time in rural America. I live in the city. I live in Austin, Texas. But I spend a fair amount of time driving around, and I don't see Teslas in rural America. I see a lot of F-150s. I see a lot of Silverado pickups and a lot of Ram pickups. I don't see electric vehicles. And yet, who is going to benefit? Who are the people who are going to benefit from all this expenditure on, on electric charging stations? It's urban people. Right. So in, in, in and it was one of the other things that I made in the in the in the testimony. And I was questioned by several different representatives. The, 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 the number of electric vehicles in northern states, in the Dakotas, in Montana, in Wyoming, very few. Well, why is that? Again, because I think it's primarily a these are large states large rural populations where you're, you know, a lot of people are hauling freight, they're hauling hay, they're hauling feed, electric vehicles don't work for them. So why should American taxpayers then be uh, subsidizing then the, the, the transportation modes specifically for urban residents that don't benefit at all rural residents? Now, this isn't unusual, right? Mass transit, we, you know, we know that. But this is a very specific example about electric vehicles that I think underscores this disparity in funding. What I find to be rather interesting about this is, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure if the subsidies work like this, but from what I've been able to see just on a very basic 
is a lot of this uh, subsidy is going to be taken care of by the middle class and the lower class, which is essentially going to be subsidizing the uh, upper class to buy these. And so that part is kind of different to me. But then all of a sudden, the, the, the middle class and the lower class are going to end up getting the hand-me-downs later, which are not going to be up to, up to par, and, and, and the batteries are going to need to be replaced. So they're going to get stuck with a big battery bill, which are, you know, somewhere people have told me upwards of $30,000 to replace these batteries, twenty to $30,000. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't ahead. speak to the rec- I can't speak to that, but I mean, I, I was just uh, this morning. I was driving around here in Austin. I saw a 1962 Carmen Ghia. Well, it, how are those electric vehicle vehicles going to work in 40 or 50 years? The batteries are going to be they're not going to be worth anything. They're going to have to be recycled, which brings a whole other question to the fore, which is how do you recycle lithium ion batteries? And the short answer is you don't. They aren't being recycled. So. As with the wind business, as with the solar business, as we are now finding with the EV business, the life cycle analysis includes a whole lot of waste that is going to be piling up in future decades that we don't know what to do with. So it, it, to me, the, the, the punchline here, Jason, is just very simple, which is that there's no such thing as clean energy. There are different forms of energy that have different costs in, on, in terms of mining, in terms of environmental impact, uh, CO2, et cetera. But, the, but give them their due. The, 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 the alternative energy promoters have done a very good job of branding their ideas about clean energy. And what my see as part of my job is to underscore the fact that, well, these aren't free. There's nothing new here. These are old technologies that are being, that are being promoted by a lot of special interests who stand to collect billions of dollars in federal money and, and state and local money pushing forward these kinds of technologies that still haven't proven themselves in the marketplace without subsidies. Robert Bryce is our guest. Just a few more minutes with Mr. Robert Bryce. Uh, I did want to ask you about the charging stations, too, because I knew you did a little bit of research on that. I was just talking with a a guy from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and his biggest issue was he he was driving, you know, from North Dakota to Atlanta, was he was just noticing the lack of charging stations in some cities and that sort of thing. So what's your research found on these charging stations and, and what should people be looking at for that? Well, it's a key issue that if you're, especially, you know, look, I, most of my driving, I'll be clear, I, I could probably use an EV in my, you know, my daily life in terms of my commuting. And I have a, I have a 50 amp charging capability right in my garage. So I could theoretically do that, right? I could have an EV here. Um, but I, the, the, the point here is that that is not something that every lower middle income consumer can afford, First, because of the cost of the vehicle, but second, if they live in an apartment building, there's no, there's no possible. They might have a charging station at their apartment building. They might not. Where are they going to recharge it? And further, if they decide to go, uh, you know, I live in Austin. Say, I want to go to Marfa, Texas. Well, that's uh, 350 miles or 400 miles. Well, I can't get all that way on an EV uh, EV battery. I have to stop and recharge it. Well, even if there is a recharging station, and I think there is one of memory serves in Junction, Texas. Well, I'm going to have to spend 30 minutes, 40 minutes, maybe an hour refueling. I could do the same refueling in a, in a conventional vehicle in less than five minutes. Why, how many people are going to be able to say in their time budget, well, sure, I've got nothing else to do. I'm going to sit here and recharge my car. Well, I don't want to do that. I want to get back on the road and get where I want to go. 
kind of wrapping up here as I'm looking at the clock, and I, I'd hate to ask you such a heavy question as we're kind of winding oh, go down. Ahead, but give me, give, me the, give me the hardest one you got. I'm well, it, it has to do with these rare earth minerals because it, it really bothers me on a lot of different levels. And I don't even know how to approach this anymore because the more I find out about it, it's too heavy for people. People just cannot understand the significance, number one, Behind the fact that we interviewed a guy last week, and he, he just flat out called them blood minerals because he compared it to blood diamonds. And I knew exactly what he was talking about because of the, the, the conditions of mining and just everything that goes into it with these third world countries. I'm looking at it from I've seen who owns a lot of the rights and the, and, and the end of the road for the, for the rare earth minerals, and it's China. So when I'm taking a look at just the, the dependency that we are getting on batteries— and the dependency that we are getting on our, you know, mobility to batteries, I'm just looking at it as, boy, China has a lot of control at the end of the day, and I don't like that. Um, anyway, that, that's what I mean. It's, no, it's, it's kind of a hot button issue. It's so. an absolute. It's an absolutely key issue, though, Jason. And and it was a point that came up during the my you know my testimony and under questioning. I think it was uh, Representative Gonzalez from from Illinois asked me about this very issue and. You know, I'm, I'm going to be 61 this month. For almost all my adult life, or all of my adult life, rather, the, 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 the focus has been on OPEC and the worries about foreign commodities and that the U.S. cannot be dependent on foreign commodities, most particularly on oil, right? I mean, this has been congressional action after congressional action aimed at OPEC. And now, at the same time, the U.S., the shale revolution has fundamentally changed America's energy fortunes. The move is afoot. Oh well, we're gonna we're gonna trade our. And I wrote about this ten years ago, eleven years ago, in my book Power Hungry, as I did with EVs. We're gonna trade our dependence on foreign oil to uh, dependence on foreign commodities that are controlled by China. And in my testimony, I made this very point in the written testimony. China controls something on the order of ninety percent of the world's supply of rare earth elements. They control something like 65 or 70 percent of the cobalt, uh, 30 percent of the nickel, more than 50 percent of the lithium, 40 percent of the copper. All of these are critical elements, critical materials that are needed for EVs. So there is not just an issue of, of cost. There's not just an issue of consumer choice. There's an issue of national security here and dependence on China at a time when it's really becoming very clear China is not our friend. And we have to be very careful about our international trade and where our dependencies are. So, again, it's, it's another example of, the, you know, the more you understand about something, the more complicated it is. And, but it's already apparent that when it comes to the EV, that the, the, in the materials needed to build them at scale, and I mean by scale, by, tens, by the tens of millions, it means a, a, a near total dependence on, for many of these commodities on China, which I think is not bashing China. I just think it's a bad idea. Well, I think it's a bad idea to be dependent on, on too many things, that's for sure. But that's that, that accountability side in me. But um, what, what can people do? I mean, what do you recommend people should do, you know, as we kind of wind down here on two different levels? Number one, it's it's quite obvious that you know our elected officials have gotten into a world where they're picking winners and losers so much they don't even understand that they're picking winners and losers. Like they they, they say, well, we're not here to pick winners and losers when they're doing it every single day, especially with this EV revolution. And then, how do we get the average person to even connect on some of these heavy issues too? I mean, is that have have you figured that out yet, or is that still the million dollar question? <laughs> 
figured that out. Here's my recommendation, Jason. Pack a lunch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these are not these are not new fights. And and one of the things I was interviewing for my own podcast, a political analyst, this morning, and we were talking about these issues about partisanship in Washington and you know where we are in terms of of of, of politics in America. And it's become more partisan. But at the same time, it's become more partisan. Special interests are getting more and more advantage in terms of getting carve outs for their own projects. So my my recommendation to your readers, well, one, and I'm saying this in, with a, just a very small dash of humility because no one's ever accused me of being humble, read my testimony. It's available on, on my website, robertbrice.com. You can find it on the House Select Committee on the Climate Crisis. It's there. Look at the look at the analysis that I and I linked to the IEA report, the International Energy Agency report on critical minerals. And look at that and consider the affordability issues, consider the resilience issues, which we didn't talk about at all. Um, you know, the idea that we're going to put all of our energy eggs on the electric grid, all of our energy eggs in one basket, the electric grid and forget liquid fuels. Are you crazy, man? Not at a time when the when our when the Russian hackers are are taking down the colonial pipeline and not even taking their house shoes off. I mean, th- we have to be very serious, very serious about our resilience, our reliability, our energy security, and societal resilience. And we need to have that to assure that we need a variety of fuels because that variety allows us energy security. And I'm not the first one to make that point. Churchill made it, you know, 110 years ago. So uh, these are very serious issues. And I'm, I'm, I'm flattered to be on your show and talk about them because I care about them a lot. Well, I appreciate you coming on the program. I was kind of just thinking to myself, I think the last time we had you on was when you were just finishing up or, or promoting Juice. It was a movie that, that you were involved in. And I was just thinking to myself, boy, we got to live in some crazy times when a guy can put out a movie and that is the last thing that we end up talking about. Normally, somebody can ride that movie wave for three years. Boy, you put out a podcast every single day. You've written a book. You got a Congress testimony. (laughs) You're, You're just a busy guy. How's the movie doing, by the way? It's doing fine, thank you. And and you know, I, I I am doing a podcast a week. I would if I'm doing one a day, that would be too much. But I we just finished a full year on the podcast. We published 59 episodes in a year. Did special episodes on the blackout here in Texas in February. Did special episodes on the closure of the Indian Point nuclear plant. But yes, I have been busy. And but I've enjoyed it, Jason. You know, when if you if you are passionate about what you do, if you love what you do, it's not really work. Um, I'm not saying I'm not working hard, but you know, I I, I, I this is what I I'm supposed to do this is what my purpose is and so i enjoy it and i'm, I'm flattered to be able to do it robertbrice.com is the website books podcasts speaking videos articles and you can find out more about him and contact him there as well uh speaking gigs well what do you got lined up and how can people get in touch with you for that Oh, just through my website, okay. robertbrice.com. I'm easy to find on the Google. Uh, but yeah, I'm speaking to electric cooperatives in Kansas and some in Ohio and uh, uh, doing uh, an event in Minnesota, in fact, in Minneapolis on wind energy and this, the, the backlash in rural America against big wind. Um, so, you know, there's plenty to talk about. That's for certain. <laughs> I, I think you'll get welcome in Minnesota more than you think against for wind energy. There's a lot of people not, not excited about wind, especially farmers. A lot of farmers. That's, a, that's exactly true. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate the time today, and let's uh, let's connect on the line again. We'll do it anytime. Exclusive interview, industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. When it's time to put the booze down, find us.
Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life Morning Show Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by Chewy Paws, all-natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs, USA-sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas, and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, ChewyPaws.com. That's ChewyPaws with a Z, dot com. The Crude Life with host Jason Speece. My name is Jason Speece, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Frankie Osborne with Nighthawk Completion Services. But, you know, I was raised around a lot of older men with older morals and values, mm-hmm. so I kind of know how to sit back and let them speak and figure them out first. Respect. Respect, respect. for sure. Yes, um, ma'am. But I think where it's changed a lot is that Oilfield is also evolving the electronics. The engineers are getting younger. They're letting engineers put more uh, hands-on into it instead of just letting your company man run it. You know, used to, even two years ago when I started, a lot of the company men in Hainesville Shell, they could call the shots. Now they can't. You have to go to Houston or Midland or wherever. It's moved up the chain of command, and some of them son of a bugs are younger than I am that you got to deal with. And uh, it, it's a different world. The challenges would be... First of all, we have to go in and kick the boys' butts, you know, all the sales guys. We also have to go sell to the men that have been in the industry 45, 50 years. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to overcome that obstacle to be able to oversell the guys and be able to compare Loft back before I was born because he's been in it Mm -hmm. and make him feel good that I'm more knowledgeable and acceptable to be able to gain his work. Then you also have to be able to deal with the young bucks that are younger than us that just stepped out of college and they don't even know what a flipping fish is getting stuck in the hole mm-hmm. you know and um, that's happened before i'm not gonna tell you what company and i was like <laughs> boy i've been in here for two days and i know exactly what that is to listen to the full-length interview with frankie osborne with nighthawk completion services or to check out other exclusive interviews visit thecrudelife.com that's thecrudelife.com we also would like to thank the voice of west texas chris moore for conducting the interview for the crude life that's the voice of west Texas Chris Moore as a special crude life correspondent. 
For more information or to check out our social media links, go to thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking each and every one of you to remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com.
interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com.